Thank you, Brother Reyes. What a blessing. And uh, we do want you to, uh, uh, we were talking in Sunday school about when's the last time you ever you did something for, for the Lord for the first time. And we want you adults not to feel left out. Uh, the monster truck, uh, the, the obstacle courses for the littler ones, and then also for the full length. Op we want y'all to get in on the races. I know y'all want to. I know you've been kind of felt held back because the kids do so much. But I want y'all to, uh, uh, to get in there. We want to kind of get a video of it, too, and stuff. Anybody that's over, like, 30 and 40 years old, we definitely want y'all to be on those jumpers out there. And uh, we'll, keep, we'll get medics here and stuff like that and have 911 online ready to go. And uh, you say, I know, I think I'll just do crowd control, all right? And uh, I'll guarantee you, I ain't never got in one of them, and I ain't about to. And we roll them up and set them up and, and stake them down and blow them up and stuff like that. They say evangelists, they blow in, blow up, and blow out. That's what we do. But uh, I, don't get in, I don't get in them. I ain't about to. And so uh, we're thankful and just a blessing to be here. And we want to encourage you to come back and be in the services tonight. But afterwards, just watch the kids. You can get in there if you want to. But uh, watch the kids have fun. The teens, they'll race. They'll slide. They'll do crazy stuff. They'll jump. And, uh, and then we'll get out at a good, decent time. You'll have food and dunk tank and, and uh, snow cones. Free snow cones is worth it just for that, huh? On a day like this, what a blessing. If you have a Bible, open up to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Um, we were in Midland, Texas, and uh, preached a soul-winning uh, soul uh, week. We did a three-day soul-winning marathon there about a month and a half ago in late April, and uh, it was so funny. Uh, they had 53 different uh, soul winners that went out with us on Thursday night, Friday night, and then all day Saturday. They had a young man, 19 years old, named Enrique, and he, got, he had just got saved. He'd been saved three months, and just got his Bible and, and, and got in church, and he wanted to do something for the Lord, and... Um, his dad, he, he, he led his dad to Christ, and uh, just kind of a quiet kid, teenager, and, and, uh, and, but he got a hold of this soul winning thing, and he, it was crazy. They were having this big event thing in town there in Midland. Midland is kind of known where people go there to get work. It's boom or bust with the oil fields and everything. It just smells like oil when you're any, like 100 miles any direction that way, way out in West Texas. And, uh, but anyway, they were having this big event thing, and they were having this guy named Spider-Man that was a stunt man that would do swing on buildings and everything like that and do all this stuff. He'd been out in Hollywood, and Enrique cornered the guy after everybody had been getting his autographs, and he came up and cornered the guy and asked him, if you were to die today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? And Spider-Man got saved. <laughs> Because young, this 19-year-old boy had the courage to do something that nobody else did. About an hour and a half, two hours later, he had a football team that was, they were interviewing his stuff, and the coach was there, and it's kind of a renowned football team in the area, and he led eight people, eight of those starting football players to the Lord and the coach to Jesus Christ. And Enrique was just kind of quiet, just kind of a, but you know, but, but just good at it. And God just helped him to, to say the right things. And, and God, all pretty soon, he said, one on all of them. And the coach said, they need this. And he took them through the plan of salvation and showed them how to get saved. And they got saved. 
And it was just a blessing. It was like revival broke out in that church. And the young people were on fire. And you know, God can use you when you're young. You don't need to always say this. Get saved when you're five. Rededicate your life to the Lord when you're ten. Surrender your life to full-time service when you're 15. If you wait that long, you might not need to wait that long. And then just live your whole life for Jesus Christ. David said in Psalm 90, he said, Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Why waste your life living your whole life for the devil and for the world and then get right before you die, hobble on a cane down to the altar and get saved when there's such a risk to do that. If the grass is greener on this side of the fence... It's better to live for Jesus Christ, get started young. That's why we put all our eggs in one basket here in the summer with Bible school one week and youth conference and, and, and our time youth king conference and all those things that they do for the young people because the best thing to do is get started when you're young. David killed Goliath when he was just a teenager. He didn't wait or he wouldn't have. Hey, so get started. And, and all these older, older ones are, are cheering for you. And we love what y'all just did with the Bible and with the songs. And we love what we saw happen at Bible school. We don't want to ever forget it. That Sunday in Midland, it was just exciting. And we preached and the crowd was just packed like this. And on the very front row, they had all these visitors. And on the very front row, they had these Orange hair, purple hair. I'm not trying to make fun, but there were uh, body piercing, crazy looking teenagers. All I know is they, that's just their habitat. And they came and sat on the very first row and were staring me down when I started preaching. And we were praying. Somebody had invited them. And in the invitation, we gave the gospel. In the invitation, they didn't have, very far, have to come very far. They came down and got on their knees and got saved. Along, I don't know how many we had, like 21 people got saved that morning and a bunch of them got baptized. And my wife, they had to call people out of the crowd. Can you come help? Because they didn't have enough personal workers. And my wife came up and she dealt with the girl and then the invitation. She asked her her name and the girl wrote down her name. Her name was Jezebel. And if you know anything about the Bible, you wouldn't think that a person named Jezebel would ever get saved. Jezebel got saved. And no, she didn't have a bunch of makeup on like the one in the Bible did, you know, that put it on with the paint roller. And, and uh, you know, you, you just have to know the story about Jezebel crazy in the Bible. And, uh, but somebody was thinking, I don't know what, her mother, her mother was in prison and her dad was dead. She didn't have a dad. And Jezebel came and got saved that morning and four of her teenage friends got saved and they all got baptized before that day was over. And that was awesome. It's just a blessing to see what the Lord can do. And God can use you when you're young to see something major happen. We were in a park. My wife had Abby. Where's Abby at? Is Abby over here? Abby, just, just stand up for a second. She don't want me to drag her up and embarrass her. She just sang a while ago. She's now uh, 12, going on 17. Amen. But just, just, you wouldn't believe what park it was and what city it was we were in. And her little friend named Ayana was scared to go soul winning. And so Abby said, you can go with me. Ayana was, Abby was 11. Ayana was 9. This was about a year ago. And they went to a park. And Ayana said, I don't want to talk to a bunch of people. And I don't want to talk to big people. I want to talk to somebody little. 
<laughs> and she was nine, and I don't care. I don't blame her. She's scared. And Abby said, I don't want to talk to a bunch of people. I don't want to talk to big people. I want to talk to a small person too. So they began, they got in this park that was full of kids. Can you imagine one of the parks here in this town? They're everywhere. And, and young people were all over the place with their parents and their friends. And they found one little girl out in the field, out in the middle of the nowhere. And she was out there just playing around. And they went out there and out in the field, Abby gave her a track. And Ayana said, I, I don't want to talk. Abby says, well, I'll try to do the talking, but I'm not good at it. And she gave the little girl a track, and the little girl took the track, and they asked her, if you died today, you're 100% sure you'd go to heaven. You'd like to go to heaven, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Has anybody ever showed you how? No, they haven't. Could we show you? Yes. And so she began to get the track. She got the track out. You can be saved and know it. There's five things you got to know. Now, the first thing you got to know is this. Abby kind of had it down, and the little girl was reading it, and she said, you got to know you're a sinner. And you're not good enough to get to a perfect place. Heaven's perfect. You're not. You might not make it. You know, all the sin that comes short of the glory of God. The, young, the kids quoted it to you all ago. There's none good, no, not one. And she's showing her that. And the craziest thing happens. A bee comes out of nowhere and flies and lands right on, you know, right on top of this girl they're witnessing to. This girl's not but about eight or nine. And a bee lands right on her head. Out in the middle of the field. And then starts crawling around. Jumps down, lands on the track. Starts crawling across the track. crawling. And Abby's scared. And Ayana's very scared. I interviewed both of them afterwards. And just to find out what their response was. It was interesting. And, and man, oh man, I hope that bee stays on her. No, I don't want her to sting her. But I don't want it to come on to me. And there's like witnessing. And Abby's trying to keep her composure. And this little girl's looking at this bee. And Abby said, it was like the devil was trying to stop me from giving the gospel. And that, the devil was in that little bee, maybe. And, and zup, zzz, like that. And you know, there's a witnesser and there's the witnessee. Well, the little witnessee was getting attacked, but not stung yet. So Abby says she starts praying. Dear Jesus, what do I do? You know, not out loud. And the Lord, she said, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to go take a walk. Would you like to take a walk with me? I like walking. Ayana goes, yes, I want to. And the little girl goes, yes, I would like to take a walk. Let's walk over here. And, I, and, and then I'll show you point two. So they walk over there, and the little the three of them following over here, and they get across the way, and the beast stays over there. Hey, we're on point two. The next thing you got to know is you got to know that your sins have to be paid for. Death is going to be the penalty. The wages of sin is death. And she starts to show her the verse, you and I believe. Out in the middle of the field, this little three-year-old appears out of nowhere. And she comes up and she starts going crazy. She's like beating on this little witnessee. And she's hitting her. And then she's biting her. And she's scratching her and clawing her and screaming at her. It's like she's a little devil girl, you know? And, and, and they're going, what in the world, man? This, I'm just trying to show her how to get set. I'm on point two, and the little girl's getting distracted, and Abby's going, man. And she says, I prayed again. Jesus, what wilt thou have me to do? And Jesus says, go take another walk. And so, would you like to go walking with me over to the picnic bench? Yes, let's go. And all three of them take off walking, and the little girl, three-year-old, is out left in the middle of the field. She's doing a Rocky imitation. Boom, 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 you know, and she's still out there. And Abby's going, this is crazy. 
And nobody's under the awning where the park bench is. You'd think there'd be 50 people there probably, a little birthday party. Nothing. It's clear. And she sits down at the park bench and shows her point three. Guess what happens? A mean lady shows up. The long nose, Abby said. She looked down at them. She walked up with her hands on her hips. And an older teenage girl, they're scared to talk to big people. And that girl's looking at them just the same, and they're investigating them. And she's looking at that paper. She's checking out that track. She's listening to every word Abby says. And Abby says, I prayed, and the Lord said, just keep on talking. She took her through point three, point four, got down. Would you like to receive Jesus as your Savior? All you have to do is pray and ask Jesus in your heart, and he'll come right in. She didn't know what that lady was going to do. She didn't know what. But she said, I just told her. And the little girl says, yes, I would love to do that. And there's a little prayer on the bottom of the track. And she led her through the prayer. And the little girl bowed her head and prayed and repeated after Abby, asking Jesus to save her. And her mother asked Jesus to save her. And her big 16-year-old sister asked Jesus to save her. All, you got three for the price of one. The Lord can use you when you're young to get people littler than you saved and then also to reach older people that nobody could get. And I asked Abby after it was over. I wasn't there. Mom was. And I asked Abby, I said, I got to know about this. This is a crazy story about the bee. And I said, do you think that was the devil was in that bee or was it the Lord? Because it never did sting anybody. Trying to move you over to where more people could get saved. Jesus, I don't know. Maybe it was the Lord. And then I asked her the next question. I said, do you think it was the devil in that little girl, that little three-year-old girl going crazy doing the Rocky imitation, or was it the Lord? She goes, it was the devil. <laughs> Amen. And I just said the same thing. And you know what? It's a blessing. And you know what? How the Lord can use you. Have you asked God, Lord, what do you what do you want me to do? Sometimes he might change your direction right in the middle. But God can use you when you're young. You can hit him in the knee. I mean, David knocked down Goliath. Nobody else would dare even get on the field with him. But that boy had some courage and he didn't just go after one. He, got, he had five smooth stones he picked up. He was, it wasn't a contingency plan like, if I miss Goliath one time, I got another stone. And if I miss him a second time, I got a third one in my pouch. <laughs> I've got five plans of how to... No, no. He, wasn't get, he didn't have five smooth stones because he thought he might miss him four times. That's not it at all. He had done his homework when he was young. And he knew that Goliath... Was, this, was on the starting team, and there were four brothers that were giants, just as tall as him. And those guys were so tall, they would make the tallest NBA team in all history look like midgets. They were giants. And David was going to kill all five of them. And the other four took off running, because they didn't want none of him. And God used that young man 
And he's gone down in history. Your preacher's name is David. I got a little boy we named after your preacher named David. But I also named him after that guy in the Bible. And we like to see God use teenagers and young people. And don't let people underestimate you. And put you in a box and say, hey, you can't do that. Think, think a little bigger than other people do. I always tell my kids, it's rather, I heard this from somebody, I'd rather shoot at the stars and miss than shoot at the dirt and hit it. A lot of people ain't trying nothing. When's the last time you did something for Jesus the very first time? Look what this lady did. Look what this lady did. And notice what it says in Mark 14. Mark chapter 14. We've had a great Bible school. It's been amazing. Maybe our best we've ever had ever. So, so good. But look what Je- look this story about Jesus. And this lady that was trying to do something for Jesus. It says, And being in Bethany, Mark 14, 3, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, talking about Jesus, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. That sounds like a crazy thing to do. This woman interrupts this men's meeting. You don't want to go there. Oh, no. These men rule the school. These men seem like they were the, the elite. These, there wasn't, notice there wasn't any, any women in the room. There wasn't, these were the apostles. There wasn't any women in that group. And they were all around Jesus. And they were doing their thing. And they were trying to, you know, uh, jockey for position and all this. And this woman slips in here out of nowhere and then just breaks this big bottle of oil or perfume, not on his head, but broke it and then it fell down on his head and dripped down. And she anointed his body for the burying before he'd even died. She had to have had inside information about what he was about to do and, and believed it and knew because he was just now hours away from dying. And this woman said, I'm going to take a chance. We saw, talked in Sunday school about you ought to risk it to get the biscuit. This lady did. This lady went for it. She, I mean, she, she, go for the gold. They say go for the gusto out in the world. I don't know if I'd put it like that. But hey, you got one shot at it. They say you got one wang at it. You better make it count. And, G, and, and, and as soon as she does this, anoints his body for the burial, which Jesus would soon praise, which is with his seconds away, of saying, this is amazing what she just saw and what she just did for me. And, and the people begin to criticize her. People begin to mouth about her. These guys got, got their lips on her and saying, hey, you, and started putting her down and trying to make her, sometimes people put you down to make themselves look a little bigger. But they really don't look bigger. And somebody said, they'll talk about you if you do right, and they'll talk about you if you do wrong. You might as well do right. And she, you got one shot at it. And they said, hey, she, she could have given this money to the poor. And you find out from the other gospel, Judas's carrot was the little ringleader of that group. among And other apostles listened to Judas. Not a good guy of the twelve. Hey, listen. And they mouthed about her and said that about her. And Jesus says, let her alone. Look what it says here in the passage. They criticized her. And notice what it says. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, you may do them good. But me ye have not always. 
I'm going to be here today and gone tomorrow. Sounds kind of cocky, but it turns out to be true. There's always going to be causes, young people. There's always going to be great things that are great causes out there to help people. But there's only one chance to do something for Jesus because the time is running out. And you better do something while you have that chance. And he says, notice what she says. He said, let her alone. Why trouble you? He says, verse 8, she hath done what she could. She's come beforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wherever silver this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world. It's Albuquerque, New Mexico this morning. And all around the world, this also that she hath done should be spoken of for a memorial of her. He, notice what he said. He said, she's done what she could. This may be the ultimate compliment he gave anybody. There's maybe, he didn't go around throwing around compliments. When he said something, it was true. You earned it, fair and square. And he said about this woman, she outdid all the men. Nobody even hardly knows her name. But she outdid all the men. And he said, she had done what she could. This begs a response back when I read this. It just jumped off the page at me. This is pretty simple. But you know what the Holy Ghost said to Freddie Reed when I read this? Have you done what you could? Have you done what you could? And I'm going to ask you that today. Have you done what you could? Jesus sure did a lot for you. He sure has gone all the way out of the way to help you out. He sure did something for us nobody else ever did. He sure did something when he died on the cross that nobody else ever pulled off. He did something no one else could do. What did he do? He took your place and died your death. The Bible said he tasted death for every man and he suffered your hell. What? Listen closely in Scripture. The Word of God is very clear. God made him to be sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. It was God's plan. And it says in 1 Peter 3.18 For God, uh, Christ also once suffered for sins the just for the unjust that He might bring us to God. What? Jesus is the just. What's the just? That's the good. That's the right, the righteous. That's the perfect. Jesus Christ has once suffered for sins. The just, the good, talking about Him. For the unjust, that's me. That's the bad. And that's you. That He might bring us to God. To get you to heaven, somebody good had to go down. To get you to go up. Don't you see what He did? He took your place. Hey, he did something for you that no one else could do. Listen close. No one could have done what Jesus did. Have there been people that have died down through history, died for their country, and died for innocent life? Yes, there is. But listen, those same people would have ultimately had to die because of their own sin. But this man is different. He, uh, uh, this man, he, the, such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, higher than the heavens. He became one of us and He lived a sinless life so that He's the only one that could die in your place as your substitute. He's the only one that could die for legally for somebody else. 
Everybody else that's ever lived had to die for what they did. But Jesus never sinned. Why do people die? Because of sin. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, Romans 5, 12, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. But no death had passed on Jesus because he had never sinned. He lived the perfect life. He was without sin. And so what he did, he did something for you no one else could do. He did something. He took your place. He said, I'm innocent. I don't have to pay for my sins, Father. So put their sin on me. Put Freddie Reed's sin on my back. Put Timothy's sin on my back. Put Brother Dave's sin on my back. All of it. He knew your name. He knew your case. He knew your record before time. And you know what he did? He said, I'm going to put it on Jesus. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And an innocent man dies. He did something. He dies as a substitute for the guilty. No one else could do for you. What Jesus did. I'm asking you this morning, have you done what you could for Jesus? You got one shot at it. You don't want to blow this one. Have you done what you could to make sure you're saved? We were in Oxford, Alabama preaching. And this was a big Christian school. Lots bigger than the ones we usually go to. We do all, we're in schools all the time. And this school was like 300... We, I preached. I went in there and gave the gospel. These kids were so well behaved, I couldn't believe it. I said, they've all got to be Christians. It's a Christian school. We should know better, huh? You would not believe how many young people, when we gave the invitation, it shocked us. How many teenagers? They didn't walk. They started running down the altar, getting saved. Hey, have you done what you could to make sure you're saved? Make sure. You better make sure. You better make sure you're plugged in. You may look like you're plugged in, but if there's no power. There's nothing happening inside. Let's go closer look over here. Oh, that thing ain't quite plugged in. Let's move it in a little closer. You may be so close. To being saved, everybody looking at you from a distance, and even most of them close up think you're saved. But if you're not plugged in, nothing's ever happened inside. What you're created to do will never happen. You can't do anything for Jesus. You don't have any power. Have you done what you could to make sure? Have you done what you could to make sure you're saved? Please, today, these children, so many teens this week, right over here on this side, row after row after row filled up. And they came down on the altar, and they got saved. Some of them got saved in their seat, and they came down on the altar. And somebody else dealt with them, and they prayed again because they wanted to make sure. Some of them prayed when they went up. Some of them prayed when they were in their seat. But they got saved. And they're off the road to hell. And they're on the road to heaven. You know what they did? I don't want to take a chance. I'm going to hell. Why go there? Hey, sir, hadn't you been through enough hell on earth? Why do you want to go there when you die? 
Why do you want to take a chance on going there when you die? The toughest, baddest dude I've ever met in my life. Truck driver that's all tatted up. Bouncer or something in a bar. You know, middle linebacker on an NFL football team. Professional boxer or something like that. The toughest, baddest guy you ever met. You wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley. If they get third degree burns for about five seconds, they'll be crying like a little bitty baby. They'll be begging, oh, I want out of here. You don't want to be, you don't want to go to hell. Have you done what you could? Hey, listen, Jesus did what he could to keep you out. He did what no one else could to get you saved. Have you done what you could to get saved? Have you done what you could? Here's my next question. If you are, you say, I already done that. I already checked that box. Why are you preaching at me about this? You hit people all week about it, and you hit me today. I'm already saved. I'm already saved. Good. I'm glad. And I'm glad that once you're saved, you stay saved. And I'm glad that for me, because I'd have lost it 57 million times. You just don't know how many times I messed up after I was saved. But thank God, it's eternal. Listen to me. You say, well, I'm saved. I've already done that, Brother Reed. I already know that. What about this one? Number two, have you done what you could to surrender your life to the Lord and live for Him every day? You say, I've already checked that first part off there. I surrender my life to... You know what I'm afraid of, Brother Dave? I think he's afraid of the same thing. I've never talked to him about this. This is the first time we've talked about it. I'm afraid of... You know what I'm afraid of, Pastor Reyes? I'm afraid that a lot of our decisions have never decided anything. I'm afraid that when we go to camp, we make a decision on Thursday or Friday night, or Monday night. Some young people do it just to get the counselors and their pastor and their youth pastor off their back. I already did that. And they run down there and they do it. Hey, listen, I've already done that. I've already surrendered my life to the Lord. You don't have to talk to me about that again. I've already done it. I'm afraid the youth conferences. My kids are going to one in a week from today. They're going out to one out in California. Their grandma paid their way to go and is flying them out there. Go figure. That's a good grandma. That's, that's Janie's mom. And that's how come Janie turned out so good. Is that mom don't take no guff off nobody. We're going to do right. And you're going to go with me when we do it. She'll be preaching at her grandkids while the preachers are preaching. She, they're going to get an earful. It's a, it's a, it's a one-two punch like you wouldn't believe. Hey, listen to me. But you know what happens in conferences? And I love them and I'm all for them and I'm not against them. Hey, listen to me. You need every conference you can get. The young person comes up and they surrender their life to the Lord. I did that. I did it. I checked that box. And then they go right back. We call it a two-week syndrome. They go right back and it might last a day or two. And two weeks later, they're worse than they were before they went. Why? They never did really surrender their life. My question, have you done what you could to surrender your life and live, to live every day of it for Jesus? Two boys. It's funny we brought up David. Two boys named David in England a little over 100 years ago or so. These boys went to the same school. 
they heard the same preaching. And revival was breaking out. And the preachers were preaching. And, and this preacher preached. And he said, you ought to, he said, if you're saved, he said, you, you're not done. It's not done. You need to surrender your life to the Lord. The Lord needs, the Lord can do a lot more with your life if you give it to him than what you, you'll, you'll do if you keep it for yourself. And he said, surrender your life and give your life to the Lord. You need to be a missionary. We need to reach the world. We need to PC young people. Help us get the gospel. We're praying for laborers to enter his harvest. And that preacher preached. And both Davids were best friends. They came forward on the same night. And they gave their life to the Lord. And they both seemed to mean it. Good kids. Pat them on the back. One of them went to Africa. Married a missionary's daughter named Robert Moffat. He married his daughter. Moffat was a very powerful missionary, but was getting up in years. And he had a burden to reach the heart of Africa. And in 1860, when I read this, it, it, it broke my heart. In 1860, there had never been a white man ever go into the interior of Africa for any reason. They said they're cannibals. They're, they're savages. I'm not going to risk my life and my family's life to go in there. I'm not going in. And the only thing us white people had done was went over there and bought slaves and didn't pay them nothing and got them to come over and do our work for us. Hey, listen, nobody had ever been in before 1860. What happened to all those people that Jesus died for in the heart of Africa that never heard the gospel because we was too scared? David Livingston goes to South Africa. He marries this missionary's daughter, and the missionary dared him. He said, there's a smoke of a thousand villages that go into the night of people that have never heard the gospel, the name of Jesus one time. I'm getting old. I can't do it. Would you go? And Livingston, young Livingston said, I'm going to go. He said, you go and you're not taking my daughter. <laughs> it's too dangerous. And Livingston, she said, you, he said, you pray and I go. It was a team. He went in up the Nile River. He made discoveries in medical science in the 18, 1800s that nobody knew. He was, became famous as a doctor. He had learned all this medical stuff to be able to help people that were having disease problems and everything. He had learned it to try to reach more souls. And he went up in there and he gave people these medicines. And they thought he was amazing. This white man is amazing. But then he began to preach the gospel. Preach on sin and salvation and heaven and hell. And so many thousands of people got saved. Churches got started all over. He made a trip back to England. He was worldwide renowned as a doctor. He said, I don't even want your awards. He said, I'm a preacher. And he said, I'm a missionary. And we need missionaries in the heart of Africa. They're dying faster than I could get to them. Others surrendered. When Livingston died... They found him beside his bed on his knees praying. So-and-so, they died laughing. So-and-so, he just died laughing. Livingston died praying. They found him the next morning. He had a disease he couldn't, that couldn't be cured. 
And they found him the next morning on his knees beside his bed praying. They knew their preacher prayed. They knew he prayed every morning, early every morning. And they would come check on their preacher. And they found his cold dead body there in a position of prayer. And, the, and they gathered all the tribes together in Malawi. And, and they're in, Afri- in, in the center of Africa. And when they did, they said, we're going to have a funeral like they never seen. And they began, got ready to have the big funeral of all the churches being involved. Their preacher was gone. What would, we want us to, what would he want us to do now? And they planned it out. And then legally, England had the rights over his body. Because he was still an Englishman. And they sent in troops and they said, you cannot take, and the word came in there, you cannot take and bury his body here. You've got to send it out and send it back to us in England. We're going to have the biggest funeral in the history of England. At Westminster Abbey, it'll be bigger than any king or queen that we've known. He's our guy. He's our national hero. And they said, we get to say, and they, they cut his heart out. This wasn't out of disrespect. They, the, the black people beat the white people on this. They outsmarted him. Legally, you have his body. It says it in these papers. But we have his heart. And they cut Livingston's heart out. And they buried it there. And they had the funeral like nobody else. And it took those men months to get that body out to the coast. And then they, they took him up in a ship up to England. And they said there was a line miles long, miles and miles long. The funeral procession lasted three and four days at Westminster Abbey. All the leaders of the world were there. And the, and the doctors and, the, and stuff. And, the, and they said down at the end of the line there was a man. And when he got close to the casket, he couldn't contain himself no more. And here's what he said. He said, he reached up and grabbed the casket and he said, get out of the way. Said, oh, they... <laughs> Oh, Davy, I lost you, Davy. Oh, Davy, you did it. You did it. You surrendered your life. He said, this could have been me. Oh, Davy, oh, Davy, this could have been me. My name's David. For hours, he wept and cried. People around him, they didn't know what to do. Finally, it took four grown men had to escort him out of there because he was making such a scene he couldn't get over. This could have been me. They say there's three people sitting in every seat. What you could be for God, what you are, and what you could be for the devil. Have you done what you could? I think a lot of young people and a lot of people surrendered their life, but it ain't one-time deal. You got to get up and do it the next day. You got to do it and get it, get up and do it the next day. And you got to do it every day. I have to ask my wife. I said, she said, I don't think a lot of people have ever consecrated their life to the Lord. They've been saved. They've done. They made a decision. They surrendered, but they've never consecrated their life to the Lord. And she told me about it when she was sixteen. How that a man, she was saved, and a man came up to her at a conference, an older man that wasn't even the preacher. And he said, young lady, are you saved? Yes. Was, they were out just out walking, talking outside. And he caught her and cornered her and he said, have you ever consecrated your life to the Lord? No. What's that mean? And he told her and she said, I've not done that. And he said, why don't you do it right now? 
Right now, not an invitation, but an invitation by that man. And he began to pray. Janie said at age 16, she began to pray. Oh, Lord, I, I want to give my life to you right now. That night, he didn't even know what the guy was preaching. A guy preached. She ran back to the altar again, surrendered. She said, I felt it. And she said, every day since that day, she's not perfect, but she is a godly, godly. She's probably a much better Christian than I am. I just get to be the guy speaking. And you know what? She said, every day since I've lived for Jesus. I got up in the morning and said, I'm going to live for you. Have you ever surrendered like that? You say, I'm saved. I'm saved. I've checked that box. Have you surrendered your life to live every day for Jesus? And did you do it? Did you do it? This is not what God does for you. This is what you do for him. Have you surrendered? You might have gotten up. It's a technicality, it looks like. You might have gone to the altar and surrendered last time, and you'll have to do it again. You got to, there's got to be a time where you sell out. I did the same thing. Last but not least, I want to ask you this. Have you done what you could to reach others around you that are younger than you, that are older than you? Have you done what you could to get the gospel out to the lost? We were in Williamsburg, Kentucky, in a van just like we got right now. And we had about 12, 13 teenage boys were traveling with us there in that meeting. And that morning we went out and it was, seemed like it was just, we couldn't see anybody saved. We prayed. That afternoon we said, oh, it'll be better this afternoon. We went out, we driving, looking, couldn't find any young people out. I said, let's pray. Prayer is a stop that'll keep you going. I said, I'm going to pray, and then Jason, you pray, riding shotgun, and then you pray, you pray, you pray, oldest to youngest. And Jason was the second oldest. <laughs> and, and I prayed, and we prayed, and Lord, would you lead us to somebody that wants to hear? Would you lead us to somebody that's close to hell? Would you lead us to somebody that's already under conviction? Would you lead us to somebody that wants to know, that's been thinking about it? And we all prayed through and felt better. Y'all ready to go, guys? Hey, God's going to give us one. God's going to give us all one. Boy, did he ever. I started the van up, and there in Williams, downtown Williamsburg, Kentucky, we, I just came around the corner, and I was coming down the, down, downtown, and a boy on a skateboard is coming towards me on the sidewalk. There's thousands and tens of thousands of them all over America. You've got skateboard parks all over this city. I love witnessing the skateboarders. It's one of my favorite little fetishes on the side. I love it because they act like they're all tough and all that, but they don't know how to handle when you come up to them. They do not know how to handle the right questions. We've seen so many of them say, hey, this boy's on his skateboard coming down, and Jason next to me riding shotgun, he said, he's mine. Stay in the van. And, and, and I knew what I had to do. I had to get the van stopped before the guy passed us because he was going, the boy on the skateboard was going fast, man. I wouldn't get on one of them things. I'd break my full neck. I'm never getting on one of them things. But hey, listen, we all, I slammed on the brakes and in one swift motion before I even stopped, Jason had his track, his New Testament. He was out the door. He jumped out before I even stopped. Was landing on the sidewalk and we were all watching is this boy going to run right over him? Is he going to skate right by him? 
Is he going to get him stopped and get the New Testament out? There's no way he's going to get this guy stopped. And somehow he did. He got out and positioned himself right in front of me, and that boy stopped his skateboard, you know, and we're, I'm do, I just did the same thing. And, he's, and, he, and, and Jason began to get the track out and ask him the question. Pretty soon, I said, man, he's got him. He's got him. He don't want us around. We don't want him to be staring out the window. Let's go get the rest of y'all somebody. We drove off. Fifteen minutes later, I came back by, seeing if he was done. When I did, Jason had him across the street. There was this old-timey-looking Methodist church or something there. It was a majestic look, and he's on the steps. He had him sitting on those steps, and he, was, he had his New Testament open. He was preaching the gospel to him and showing him how to get saved. I said, I don't want him. He's got him. He's got him. And the boy had a tear coming out of his eye. They said, he's got him good. He got him a good one. I said, let's go get y'all one. And we went out, dropped off, picked up, came back. I came back about 20 minutes later. Jason now had him standing up with his skateboard. We got his picture on our prayer card. And he had him kneeling and praying and asking Jesus in his heart. I said, I ain't believing this. Ten minutes later, I came back. Jason brought him over. He said, meet your little brother, Freddie. Brother Freddie, I want you to meet so-and-so. He just got saved. We got the same daddy in heaven. He's our brother. And then the boy stopped us. We did, both did a double take. He said, you don't know what you did for me. You saved my soul. And he's not pointing at me, he's pointing at Jason. Jason's 18 and this boy's 16. He said, what? He said, I didn't save your soul. He started to preach a message. He said, I can't save you. Jesus saved. He started preaching about Jesus again. He said, no, no, no. I know Jesus saved my soul, but you don't know what you did. He pulled a note out of his pocket. He said, read this. He handed it to me. Read this, sir. You don't know what this young man just did. And I read it. And it said, dear so-and-so, except it didn't say dear. It had his name. Yes, I am pregnant with your child. The test came back positive earlier today. No, I refuse to talk to you. Quit calling our house. I hate you. My parents hate you. We got money. You know who my parents are. And we've already got lawyers in place. And yes, you'll have legal rights. I will have the child. And you have legal rights to see that child as it's your baby. But not while I'm in your presence. I never want to see you again. I hate your guts. And then she signed her name. That boy had got that letter. My jaw dropped three feet. Jason's going, I didn't know. And then he told us the rest of the story. He said, you don't know what you did. He said, he began to cry. He said, I didn't do it. But I almost did it. He said, a friend of mine brought me the letter and I read it. And then I went upstairs and read it again and locked the door in my room. And I read it again and again. And he said, I got reached up. I didn't think I'd ever do this, but I reached up and I got a 45 out of the top of my closet. And I put that loaded 45 in my mouth. And I started to pull the trigger. And I tried to pull the trigger. And the trigger wouldn't, I couldn't get the trigger to move. The trigger jammed. He said, I thought, man, this is crazy. I stuck it up to my head. I said, something's wrong with this gun. He said, I started to pull the trigger and my finger wouldn't move. I couldn't get my finger to move on the trigger. 
And I looked at that gun. I fired it many times. He said, I stuck it in the top of the closet. I'll be back to see you in about an hour. I'm going to take one last skateboard ride. This is crazy. But I'm going to come back and finish the job if it's the last thing. It'll be the last thing I do. And he said, I got on my skateboard and I rode through town. And I said, I, 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 I don't have anything to live for. And he said, I thought, why that crazy gun? Why is that pistol not working right? He said, I, I, I don't understand that. He said, I got to kill myself. And he said, I know what I'll do. It's so easy. The next vehicle that comes around the corner, if it's got any speed to it at all, all I have to do, I've been on skateboard all these years, I'll just jump it out on the road and land, hit it right on head on. They won't be able to stop in time. And they'll kill me on impact. They won't be able to keep from it. And he said, I decided, I got my nerve up, and I saw your van coming around the corner. And he said, it started speeding up. And I thought, this is it. And he said, I started to jump out in the road. And all of a sudden, you, sir, you slammed on the brakes. And then this guy jumps out, and he hands me this piece of paper. And it said, if you died today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? How did he know? And then he told me about Jesus. And he said, Jesus saved my soul, but you saved my life. And I thought, man, if we hadn't stopped and prayed, I look back on that and I think, man, and you know what, folks? There's people out here. They, you know, you got the information. You got the. Don't sit on it. Don't stuff it. Say something. Say something. The time's clicking away for thousands and millions of people. Let's stand. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Let's stand. Our feet. Christians are praying. I've asked three questions. Have you done what you could to make sure you're saved? Have you done it? Have you done it? It's worth double checking. Number two, have you done what you could to surrender your life to live every day for Him and started living every day for Him now? Have you, have you done what you could to surrender your life and do it every day? It's a continual process. And then last, as she plays softly, have you done what you could to reach those around you to reach those around you? Have you done what you could to reach those younger than you? To reach those even older than you? Paul witnessed to both small and great. Have you done what you could? You know what? God can use you. I'm so convinced. God can use anybody. If He can use me with all my faults and all my weaknesses and all my sins, even since I've been saved. If God can use me, He can use anybody. But you got to surrender. you got to surrender. You can't say, I'll do this for you, Lord, but I won't do that. And you can't put clauses in it. you got to sign the bottom of the check and say, write in whatever you want me to do, you're the boss. I surrender to you. You tell me to do it, I'm going to do it. Or die trying. You got to mean it. He's the, he's the Lord. Paul hadn't been saved five seconds. And he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? 
we've always got to be asking that. Lord, what do you want me to do? God can use us. This church can be the greatest church. The potential here. We see it. We're not just joking and say this. We don't. The church, the potential of young and old alike and all ages in between is so off the charts. But there's three people sitting in every seat. Would you surrender today, Christian? Maybe more more and more people will get saved if we as saved people came and said, Lord, I surrender to you. Whatever you want me to do, you're the Lord. And gave him every day. I thank God for Mondays because, you know, it's a chance to start over. Really, Sundays. But every day is a new page. You can ask God to wash you in the blood and start over. And say, I want to do it today. I want to do something for you today. Have you done what you could? Then what about those others around you? What about those others around you? It's not a certain age that God starts using. It's willingness and availability. I'm going to go. I'm going to try what I can try to see people saved. I want to see somebody get saved. And just pray and go for it. Got to take a risk. Get out of your comfort zone. If you're here today and you say, Brother Reed, I'm 100% sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. That first box, I've checked that. I've got, I remember when I got saved, the day I did it, the time I did it. I know I'm saved the Bible way. Would you raise your hand? Nobody's looking, but I'm looking. Would you lift your hand up? Pray for me, Brother Reed. I just want you to know I'm saved. You don't have to worry about that one. I got that thing, and I made sure of it too. All right, good. Put your hands down. So many hands that went up. What a blessing to know that. If you're here tonight, today and you say, Brother Reed, I'm just not sure. Man, I, I, I made decisions, but I'm not sure it decided anything. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven, but I don't deserve it. Would you pray for me? I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you just pray for me? If you lift your hand up, I'm not going to come back and get you. I promise that, but I will pray. Pray for me. I couldn't really honestly raise my hand a while ago. Would you pray for me, Brother Reed? Would you slip your hand up where I can see it right now? God bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. You too, ma'am. Thank you. Somebody, God bless, teenager. Thank you. This couple up in the front. Thank you, both of you, for raising your hand. Somebody else, slip your hand up. Pray for me. I'm just not sure. I may need to double check on this thing. I don't want to take a chance. I've been through enough down here. I don't want to go to hell when I die. Anybody else like that? I should have already raised my hand. Would you slip your hand up? Pray, God bless you on the front, in the middle. Therefore, young teenage boy, thank you. Someone else, slip your hand up where I can see it. Parent, man, woman, teenager, boy, girl that's in this room. Slip your hand up. Pray for me as well. God bless. God bless. Here's what I want you to do. The Bible says this. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Right where they need to be. Close your eyes, bow your heads. Right where you need to be. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And it goes on, it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Whether you raised your hand or not just a second ago, I want everybody to listen to this. All you have to do to be saved is accept what somebody else did for you. It's not an act of you going and doing something great. It's you accepting somebody great. Salvation is not, it's in a person. It's not in things you do. 
It's in a person of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the way to heaven. Would you take Jesus as your Savior today? Would you say yes to Him and invite Him in? Ask Him in your heart. Ask Him to save you. Would you believe on Him and trust in Him to do this for you? He can do it. He's done it for so many others of us. He'll do it for you. If He can save me, He can save you. Would you pray right now and ask Him to save you? Just give me your chance to do that. If you're not sure, pray right now. If you don't know what to pray, would you pray something like this? Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I'm, I deserve to die and go to hell. But I don't want to go there. I'd sure like to go to heaven. But I don't deserve it. I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me? And would you come into my heart and save me, Jesus? Would you come into my heart and save me right now? Save me from hell. Give me a home in heaven. Thank you for dying for me. Help me to live for you the best I can. Thank you for saving me. And, and Lord, I don't want to ever be ashamed of it. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are still bowed. Eyes are still closed all over the building. Listen to this. If you're here today and just now you prayed a prayer, that prayer or something like that, no one else is looking, but would you look up here at me? I prayed that prayer. Did you mean that, sir? Did you mean that, young man? Good, good. Keep your eyes on me. Did you mean that right here? Up here? Great. Great. Somebody else. I meant it too. I prayed that. How about there in the back? Did you mean that, sir? Did you mean that? Good, good. How about you, ma'am? Did you mean that? Excellent. I prayed it too over here. Somebody else. I prayed it as well. Did you pray it and mean it? Excellent. All right, somebody over on this side, I'm looking. Did you mean that, sir, ma'am? God bless you, this young couple. Awesome. Back there in the back, did you mean that, sir? Excellent. God bless. Somebody else over here, I did it too. I did it. You're looking up here. Make eye contact. I meant that. Did you mean that? I meant that prayer as well. Here's what I want you to do. Right where you're standing, would you do this? I've got my Bible. I want you to do this. Would you come right to the front? Step out and put your hand on this Bible. Your right hand on this Bible. I did that and I meant that. Would you put your right hand on this Bible? I just now prayed that prayer and I meant it. Put your right hand on the Bible. Back in America 100 years ago, they'd put you in a courtroom. I hope you don't ever have to go to court. But they say, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. And they do that. Now they'd be afraid. They'd be the ACLU, American Crooked Lawyers Union, or something would, fire, would, would come after them like crazy now. You can't say God and stuff in the courtroom. But back then we had a good country. And the thing is, they put their hand on the Bible, their right hand on the Bible, and swear in. And you meant that, didn't you, sir? You meant it? Great. I preached this straight from the Bible. You meant it. How about somebody else? I meant it too. Come on, I meant it too. Step out and come put your hand on the Bible. I meant it. I meant it with all my heart. I asked Christ to save me. I want Him to. Did you do it? Maybe you're here and you want to do it. You still want, why don't you step out and come? Why don't you step out and come? I want to do it. Come on, right now, somebody can help you do it. I want to do it as we tear by the clock. All right, great. These people did it. 
And Brother Dave, I'm going to have someone talk with them and, and show them kind of just what they did and make sure they understand. And you meant it. Father, bless these. Help these. Lord, to know now and be certain and never be ashamed of Jesus. What they did, it takes tremendous courage to come up here. Help them now to get all this sorted out and sure. In Jesus' name, you can come over here with the preacher. Remember the preacher. Now listen, there's some of you, I know. There's some of you, you looked up at me or you prayed that prayer. And maybe I didn't see your eyes when you did look up. Maybe I didn't, I, I didn't hear your prayer. But you weren't talking to me. I don't have to hear your prayer. You were talking. You went way over my head. You asked Jesus to save you. Don't be ashamed of that. It's the best thing you ever did in your life. Don't be ashamed of that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hold my Bible out just another minute or so. And give you just as the old time way of doing it. Like they did a hundred years ago or so in America. Would you come and say yes to Jesus? I did it or I want to do it. As we wait, would you step out and come? There's others of you that need to do it. You know you need to. Christian, if you're here, I'm asking you to do something. Would you bow your head if you know you're saved? Would you bow your head and pray? There are still people here that are not saved. Would you bow your head and pray that God will move on their heart? If you're standing next to someone and you think you can maybe help, by, I'll be your friend. I'll go up there with you. You could ask them in a gentle way to do that. But prayer is the way God does it. Talk to God. Ask God to move on their heart. These are being dealt with. These have made the right decision. There's others that need to be saved. There's others that need to be saved. We don't want to close the door. There's Christians here. You're saved, but you've never surrendered your life to the Lord. Consecrated your life to the Lord. Would you do this? Heads or bowed. Would you look up here at me? Say, Brother Reed, I've never done that. But I need to do that. I need to do that. I've never really given my whole life to Him, every day to Him. Would you look up here at me? Why don't you step out and come and, deal and, and, and talk to Him. Tell Him about it on this old time altar. Why don't you do that? It's the biggest day of your, of your saved life is when you surrender to Him. Don't just say, I did it. Do it. And then what about those around us? I want to be a soul winner. Brother Reed, would you sit your hand and pray for me? I want to be a better soul winner. I want to put out tracks. I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to be a good witness for the Lord. I want to reach people that are around me. I really do. The Lord put that in my heart. And I know I should. I want to be better. Would you pray for me? That I, I'm not going to ask you to come up here and put your hand on the Bible. I'm just going to ask you, could, could I pray for you? Pray, I, I, pray for me, Brother Reed. I want to be a better witness. I want to be a better soul winner. Slip your hand up. Praise the Lord. Some of you, God used you this week. Some of you, you God used you in a prayer fashion and in all kinds of ways to help this joint effort of reaching young people in Bible school. And some of you, God wants to use you even more. Brother, Brother uh, Reyes, you could take the invitation. What a blessing to be here. What a blessing to tell the story about that David guy that went all the way. It's such a blessing and such a joy to be serving the Lord. I want some of y'all to be like that first David and say, I'm going. I'm going to keep my word. I'm going to go. I'm going to do what God wants me to do with my life.